You're listening to the Saturday Morning D&D Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to an uh, episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show slash RPG show. We're, we're kind of something, right? I was thinking this morning I need to change um, that to RPG show, uh, and I will at some point be doing that so just you wait oh just you wait i did a name YouTube. test of one of the names we've been talking about and okay. the group i tested it on they said they loved it which one which name west marches on to say it yes ah, they loved one. it they well no it. for those of you not in our discord we've been talking about names and uh don't what, take it yeah jerks. well whatever people, <laughs> people take a name uh but no i i was like west marches on is pretty cool i don't know i don't know how relatable it is to rpgs but i i like it because i think it's just clever and fun so that was one of them because it's the best type of rpg oh i did a deep oh. dive before we even get anything <laughs> and you'll love this and uh worlds without number because i know you oh, love that quite a, a good, bit i did a deep dive a day ago and i was watching ben's channel where he did a kind of yeah. went through and i'm just like this book is just so good so it's, i bought I bought Worlds Without Number strictly for the world building aspect to it. Because I'm like, oh, man, even if I don't play this, this is a great resource. Mm -hmm. Then I read the RPG side of it. And I'm like, this is awesome. Like, I want to play this so bad. And I am torn because I was talking with my Dungeon Crawl Classics group. And they're very keen on playing other systems. Thank you. Um, And I was saying, hey, when we're done with this, I really want to try Worlds Without Number. And then my friend Katie was like, oh, I was really hoping we'd, like, try that Invisible Sun game you keep talking about. And I'm like, oh, you did it. You, like, now <laughs> I'm conflicted. I was like, I want to play both of them. <laughs> that I can't uh, choose between. Yeah. So speaking of Worlds Without Number, um, he made a – there's a Kickstarter now for, I think, Cities oh. Without Number. And it's oh, a yeah. cyberpunk version of the game. So if you want oh, – Stars I mean, Without Number is the sci-fi version – uh, Worlds Without Numbers, the fantasy version, and now he's got a cyberpunk Kickstarter going on right now. And he did something with gods, because you know, yep, Ben had I do mentioned have there was too. a second book. Yeah. So he said if he wanted something that was more superhero-like or, or big, powerful character-like, that God, he said Godbound. the second book was a good one. Godbound, that was it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Kevin really Crawford. Too. Yeah, I bought that one, too. Um, and I actually bought the Atlas of the Latter Earth. I kickstarted that, too. Uh, because mm-hmm. Kevin Crawford, who's the author of all of this, um, he wanted to, he really likes World Without Number. And I think he used a lot of his own tables to craft a fantasy world to play in. So uh, the Atlas of the Latter Earth, when you play Worlds Without Number, the default setting is the Latter Earth. And it reminds me of a Numenera in that there has been like, eons of stuff beforehand and you're kind of always mm. discovering well, stuff. Well, it's very Jack Vance inspired, uh, right? Yes. Yeah, Dying Earth is. kind of stuff, yeah. So yeah. the Atlas of the Latter Earth is uh, just a... I mean, you could pick a specific faction or a city, or you could play in that whole thing. All kinds of mm. maps. It was a really good book. So, Well, what got me going is we, we keep talking and teasing about the cliff, and then I, I'm talking... There's all these other people talking about building games and RPGs and, you know, these books, and then, then I dove into that, and I was just like, it'd be kind of cool to take some of those different um, world building books that are known to be really good. That one being one of them. And then say, okay, we know we have this setting that we like, and we know we're handcrafting 
every piece of the setting. So normally we don't need prompts even because the, the creativity is flowing so well in that. But what would it look like if we did use these tools and then use a couple of different tools to see how the world comes out? Does it come out very similar? Does it come out very different when yeah. you're using these different world building tools with a set example that you're going to use it on? I thought, oh, that'd be kind of a cool little That would be an interesting of, test. Of type. Yeah. So much so it's like, uh, I want you to, like me and me and Lucian have the same resources, but we mm -hmm. don't talk to each other, but we each create our own kind of thing. And then you come together and you see how similar is it because we're rolling on the same table we or we're being inspired from the same tools, but I bet they would be vastly different. Yeah. Not, not trying to connect it to the cliff, but, uh, but speaking of the cliff, I have been reading about hex flowers, which is a unique way to roll on some tables. And mm -hmm. I think a hex flower would be really interesting to do on the cliff because you could have these hex flowers and yeah. then, you have a higher percentage of falling than you do climbing up. So like the initial descent is probably a lot easier, but then when you want to get up to something, it's like you the rolling gets a little more difficult. And uh, Yeah, and we're going to coin the term, instead of when you do a hex crawl, you're going to do a hex climb or a yeah. hex fall. A hex fall. <laughs> yes. Uh, hex oh, fall, TM everyone dies. That's the name of our new podcast. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah, there's so so many cool things in it. Uh, hello, I'm still everybody. working on art for it and um, trying to find that perfect starter image of how do you encapsulate that thing that we want everybody to go and know what we're talking about with just the image. Like you just put the image in front of them and they immediately know, oh, this is where, this is the world yeah. we're going to be in. This is going to be cool. It really, I really wish I was an artist sometimes uh, in a, in a visual art sense. Um, and I, I do mm -hmm. draw and dabble here and there, but like the people that, can see it in their head and then just start i'm very yeah. envious of those of those people and yeah, the yeah. skills they're, that they're they my superheroes they're so cool uh, <laughs> it's crazy that talent is awesome all right back to a show we're doing a podcast show right podcast what we're show. Doing here today? i was crazy. looking up cities without number to see how it's doing because this literally just launched kevin i want that because i think that's a cool way to do um just reading through his stuff and then applying his idea to a cityscape, you know, a giant, massive, oh, yeah. mega, megapolis. Oh, that'd be so good. Because he doesn't just put in, it's not just like, oh, there's like random, oh, you get mountains and things and this. He's like, here's ruins and here's churches and here's organizations and here's, yeah. you know, there's like all this stuff in there that not the land but also what's in the land what lives in the land what you know what's happening you know it's all of it it's just yeah. so good you would love the cover of cities without number now i'm not the biggest cyber kind of uh cyberpunk kind of person like i like cyberpunk enough i don't think i've ever really wanted to play uh, a cyberpunk game really i would i really want to play like a sci-fi game a blade more than yeah, I like Blade Runner. I don't know. It's one of those things where I'm like, I don't know. I just kind of, like, it would have to be the right setting, I guess. But uh, I like Cities Without Number. And then they, he says, start right or right from the get-go, the first of this Kickstarter, it says, a world of chrome and rust. And that grabbed me. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, um, So, yeah, this is, a, this is a really interesting. Oh, you're right. The cover is cool. Cover's dope. It's a big I want that skyline. It's so dope. cool. <laughs> um so it's at two hundred and fifty thousand dollars right now as of and twenty four days it's to back. go. Um yeah, it's it's a cyberpunk cool thing. So check it out. 
Um, speaking of Kickstarter, <laughs> uh, Zine Quest is this month. Uh, there are lots of Zine mm-hmm. Quests running around. Um, one of the notable ones that I was interested in um, was the Electrum. Ooh, I can't remember it now. Uh, the Electrum Archives, I think is what it is. Um, yeah, the Electrum Archive. So, uh, Emil Boven, who is from Finland or Sweden or Norway, somewhere up there, uh, he is releasing an entire RPG, but it's only in zines. So he's going to do, like, it's not released yet, uh, in its entirety, but it will be these little zines and stuff. Um, and the first one was called Orn, and it was uh, the first issue, and it's like the basic rules. And you can get this all on Itch as well. And the second one is called Titanport, and I think it's a city in this world. So you have the basic rules. You have the city that kind of will expand ah, upon those rules. Okay. And uh, I like this as an I, I like this idea. I think it's kind of cool to like slow, do a slow release and like really play test every little thing. And then, um, I mean, I know it's nice to have it all in one book, but it's also kind of cool to get these like, oh, I'm interested in this now. And the art's really cool. He does the art. Mm-hmm. It's super awesome. Uh, and that is currently on Kickstarter. Um, they're crowdfunding issue two, which is uh, Titanport. So I would totally check it out. I'll put a, a link cool. in the in the doobly doo, but also in our chat. Genre RPG is it? Um, it's fantasy. fantasy yeah, sci-fi. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. fantasy for sure. Here, I'll send you a link, Lucian. I'm sorry. Uh, put it in our notes there. Um, but uh, it's kind of like giant fantasy robots and i don't know it's it's interesting i really am just captured by the art you've got me i think it's like super cool (laughs) uh it's just neat so uh if you're interested in that i'd be curious what zines for zine quest or zines if you're incorrect like lucian um that you're interested in because i looked at a couple of magazine so (laughs) and i think also that these less people seem to be doing um zine quest because of uh frustrations with kickstarter and then last year they moved zine quest out of february to something else and everyone was like upset about it and then they were like oh we're sorry we'll put it back so uh it's kind of had this weird falling out um and mm-hmm. it makes me wonder if there's there's probably going to be other stuff going on oh it looks like uh, mothership's got a sci-fi horror one shot that's kind of fun so check out mothership's zine quest. Awesome. Um, Monty Cook has a big game going on right now, or a big uh, backer kit funding. Yeah. Now, Um, is this the one for existing? Because I know they have something new they're doing too right now that just launched that for new books. uh, I think that's what this is. Because also, I thought they were doing a reprint of something too. No, it's all together. Yeah. So um, they're doing a reprint of the starter set and the rule book for Cypher System. Um, but the two new books that they're working on are Rust, which is like a gunslinger kind of uh, campaign, um, for Rust in Redemption, which is a gunslinger post-apocalyptic world of magic. And I don't know, it's, it's Monty Cook. It's going to be weird um, for the cipher system. And then the other one is It's Only Magic, which is a... Buffy the Vampire Slayer kind of like modern day Dresden Files uh, magic in our real world. 
Um, and that's the one that I was super interested in. So I ended up backing that, but I didn't have a copy of Cypher. And so in the in the um, additions later on after you back it, you can get uh, you can order like a copy of Cypher. And so I did that as well. So I backed this to get my only magic book and the Cypher system as a whole because I'm like, I have Numenera, but I don't actually have Cypher proper. Um, aside from PDFs, mm. but I like physical books. But uh, yeah, they started this whole thing where it's like, welcome to the Cypher system. And so you can get, with this Kickstarter, you can literally just get the starter set and um, like the Cypher rulebook. Like you don't even have to pre-purchase the adventure settings, even though it's really a Kickstarter for the adventure settings. So it's kind of mm -hmm. a, it's a reprint plus is what it feels like. Um, but they're doing very well. And uh, we were commenting on it in Discord that Monty Cook's pledge or their crowdfunding is usually expensive. Uh, I think I got the Cypher book, which is going to be $70, and then the uh, the Magic book is $50. So that's $120 to get two books, and that that's a lot. Yeah, Tolis uh, was a lot. But I, I understand. I also think that Monty Cook is a, they pay their employees well and the quality of these books really shines not just in physical mm -hmm. strength and things like that but also in the writing and the layout and stuff like that. So, uh if you're willing to pay for that, it's awesome. And if you're not willing to pay for that, um PDFs are a great resource PDF. as well yeah. and they're a lot cheaper. Uh yeah, but I wanted to point out that did. this is happening right now and if you're a fan of Monty Cook like I am, yeah. you should check it out. Yeah, because they said um, another new book. So an anthology, they already hit the stretch goal for an anthology of adventures from a variety of genres. So I noticed in one of his tweets, he had mentioned um, that they were going to do some more content for books that they had already released. So this must be the anthology, you know, where they can go back because they've released a lot of cool um, worlds with the cipher system to back up the cipher system itself i have a bunch of them that are really good yeah and that's the other favorite. thing is they can you and can so get them more adventures as well for creation would be great yeah and then if they get one more stretch goal 525k which they probably will make they'll add two more full-length adventures to the adventure book so yeah lots of big big adventure book coming too it sounds like that's awesome yeah because they have those other uh, the one i want to play now is the um so they have the stars are on fire, God forsaken, claim the sky. Claim the sky is the superhero one. Um, yeah. Is it stay? Is stay alive the one? They have like a a primal one yeah, where you're like horror, dinosaurs. They have, yeah, and they stuff. have it all. And I was like, the predation's that, the, the predation. dinosaur one. Which That's I the one. Love. Yeah. I have that. Ran it at Gen Con. Ran it for a couple people. Uh, ran it for Elise, who's on our channel. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, she had me run it for her her group at one point too, and that's fun. That's a really good one because you get a pet dinosaur character that, creation. Yes. So if you haven't, that's if what you I haven't want. played Predation, check that one out. <laughs> Highly recommend it. All I want is a pet it's dinosaur. Good. Yes, exactly. Um, so cool. So yeah, uh, and they're doing a bestiary. I like they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. It's really cool. Here's the other cool thing, Jordan, in that character creation piece. You get a pet dinosaur, but the player to your left plays the dinosaur. And you play <laughs> the dinosaur for the player to your right. So you have your so regular player, character, but then you also you have your that. character and your person. Another person plays your pet, but everybody has a pet dinosaur or can have a pet dinosaur. Oh, that's fun. That's the way I played it, and so I was like, oh, it was so good. Yeah. So you oh, could okay. everybody gets to play up that you know dinosaur personality with another character, and then it's just it just adds magic to the table when you do it. Yeah. Um, Very fun. 
That is cool. I was going to move this around so we can talk about Goodwin Games. And I'll put this down here. That would be a good one for your, your team that's doing um, Rod of Seven Parts and now into the Modron March. Because they, I could see that cast you have brought together getting into playing each other's dinosaur pets. Oh, um, yeah. So, fun yeah. That <laughs> we played on Thursday and LB, like, out role played me um in a positive way but i was just nice. stumped like she was asking questions and she was like doing stuff and i'm like i don't know how to answer like this is you this is awesome but it was one of those funny <laughs> things where i'm like i wish we weren't streaming live because i feel like i'm dropping the ball on creativity um but we had a good time and stuff uh but no you're LB right they would the love game. that so if, she does. if you invite lb to your game she brings her a game uh in other news, Goodman Games has had their best-selling month in the company's history in January. Kind of thought that was I happen. wonder why. That's funny. <laughs> uh, good old uh, Joseph Goodman himself made a YouTube video on their channel, on the 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 Goodman Games channel on YouTube, um, which doesn't have a lot of followers or anything. But he basically was just like, hi, this is why I made the game. I wanted to introduce myself. We're a really close-knit kind of group of of people that love this game and so if you want to join in we're always happy to have you like come play at our table and stuff it was really cool and he just kind of like very straightforward not a flashy video to get a ton of views but like the people that are interested in goodman games and kind of the the fun gonzo culture they've created behind their game i think would mm -hmm. find a lot of value in that so it's it's kind of cool, cool to just see a guy show up and be like hey i made a game thanks for playing it's gonna be great um, it's gonna be great. And then we've already talked about how like Paizo sold out of eight months worth of inventory in two weeks and stuff. So uh yeah. we have had and then Monty Cook's Kickstarter is going crazy. Like I think everybody People couldn't is, find Monty Cook books. It yeah. was like, yeah, it was like all the books were out. <laughs> um I posted good. yesterday that Paizo has a humble bundle. You can get four hundred dollars worth of PDFs for like twenty five dollars. That last so, year they did yeah. one just like it and got them all. So it's a it's a good time to play games. There's lots of options, lots of stuff going around, which is there's uh, so much, so it's much. Crazy. And then everybody's making their own system. Uh, I think yeah. Monday we're gonna maybe it was yesterday, but I think Monday we're gonna get Black Flag stuff coming out. And I'm again very curious about that system. Um, yeah, I also, was it February sixth or something, or, or no, maybe it was. I thought they had a date, but I don't remember what it was. Yeah, I thought yeah, it was yesterday, but I didn't see anything. Uh, so it might yeah. be Monday which would be the sixth. So yeah. uh, they're going to have some playtest information out. Uh, again, Celeste Konowich is uh, helping or heading that, I think. And she's awesome. I think, and writes yeah, really cool stuff. And um, Ted's doing yeah. like Friday shows of material. So he's doing like a weekly Friday show, I think on his channel. Of yeah. The Black Flag yeah. Stuff, he think. was saying that he was working with Celeste because they're such good friends that he's like, Hey, you can put this on yeah. your regular channel or like I, I can, you know, we'll do it on my channel. And so I think they're partnering for just, just That's friendship cool. and content and things like that. But uh, yeah, that I and then up. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. And then the orc license, which is uh, a lot of people in our comments and stuff. And I do want to get this straight. The, the orc license is not a system. It's a license. And I think it'll operate like the OGL license where companies can put part of their system into it much like we did earlier. So it's like, here's a system reference document for 3.5, and then the year zero engine can put theirs in there. Uh, I don't know. Now that I think about it, I'm like, I don't know how much it's going to kick off, um, especially with the 5e rules now being in uh, 
commons, creative commons. But um, they did say that they still feel like there is a need for this. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And, you know, it's better to make it and have it and not use it than to need it and not have it kind of a thing. Uh, But also, it seems like every company is making their own license because they don't want this to happen again. So I know Mm -hmm. that Modifius, not Modifius, Free League is making theirs year zero license now. So instead of having Mm -hmm. this like communal thing, like the Orc license where we could all put stuff in, uh, I don't know. We'll see. But a lot of companies, yeah, a lot of companies have signed up for it. So, you know, who knows? I don't know. But uh, it isn't a system. It is a license that companies are allowed to put information into that then other people could use that and redistribute it uh which Mm -hmm. is a lot like creative commons but um different because i'm a lawyer i don't i'm not a lawyer so i don't i don't know why it's different but apparently it's different enough that they feel they need to do that so um lots of news i guess we're kind of going faster at this was around did you have you ever heard about the zweihander rpg yeah, so I've never played this. I'm a huge fan of Warhammer Fortis, uh, fantasy roleplay. Okay. It was the game that after I found Dungeons & Dragons to be contrary in the hobby, I'm like, oh, you guys play Dungeons & Dragons, but I play Warhammer fantasy roleplay. You know, <laughs> there's always that kid that wants to play that doesn't want to go with the, the mainstream pool. It's like, I'm going to find the offset. So I found that and it was the artwork that was more gritty because it's a grim, dark world. And I flipped through that book in, you know, I think it was a Walden bookstore in a mall. <laughs> I think is when I found it, like when I'm you know, like 10 or 12 or 13 or whatever. And I'm flipping through it. I'm like, oh my God, this, this is insane. The, the necromancers and the artwork. And it's all like in your face. I'm like, this is the game I want to play. So then when Zweihander came up with the, the creator for that came up, he wanted to build a game that was very similar to that kind of rules, but mm-hmm. it was his own game. And he went out and did it. So I followed it from when he had mentioned he was going to start it and, you know, all the way to release and I have it and I bought it. And the more stuff they've done with it, and I love the game. I think okay. Slyhander's awesome. Yeah, so it's, uh, well, this is sad, I guess, and I'm not sure the future of it, <laughs> but the publisher of that RPG is Andrews McMeal Publishing. And they have officially shut down their RPG division. And I, I didn't oh. know a lot about this because I'm like, I how what publisher is this? I was like, this isn't, you know, free league this isn't like the the monty cook i i didn't understand what they were making but they have the zweihander rpg and then they were also making a couple of other 5e books specifically the fifth edition neverland and wizard of oz book which are back on my shelf i should have brought them out for i could show them on the screen but those books are uh very good and they're just written by a guy and then he went to this publishing company and they you know published it that's what publishers do uh so that's also in their repertoire so i would encourage you to go get those because i don't know when you'll be able to get them again um the uh uh what is his name the author of this it's yeah, so M- the daniel d fox is guy i remember because he's yeah. on twitter he's the creator kind of yeah but and it won an any any oh, award-winning okay. creators i hander fantasy horror ttrpg published by Andrews McMeal. He he's a prolific poster on Twitch. And I also followed him quite a bit cuz he kind of ran the crusade to get rid of Trove and all of these places that you could get free PDFs because he was a huge advocate or pirated for pirated PDFs we should say. <laughs> against the pirating of yeah. yeah of you know 
tabletop role-playing material. Mm-hmm. It was like, there's plenty of places you can get it. He was giving out kicks, you know, free play sets, giving out rules that you can play most of the game without having to pay. But when you're really diving into it, you really should pay kind of the company who created it. And that was his, you know, his crusade. And that's, I've always, you know, kind of kept up with him. And it was, uh, hmm. I'm surprised that they're not doing any more uh, role-play stuff. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what's going to happen if they just wanted to get out. Uh, I did read an article that said that B. Dave Walters had something in the works with them. And that's why we're finding out that the RPG division is being shut down is because he had a meeting with them. And then they were like, by the way, we're canceling this project and every other RPG thing we've ever been trying. And it's like, what? So I don't, I don't know the specifics, but apparently they're, uh, they're canceling it. But I wanted to point out the Andrew Kolb, Neverland and Oz books, very, very good. Especially that Oz book. I just finished reading it a couple or a week ago. And it's and here's um, Lori Abkaminer. Not true. Andrews McNeil will continue to be publisher of the most excellent, always neat RPG books, which notice are Neverland and Oz. Yeah. And likely more. Although you should feel free to snap them up anyway, of course. <laughs> She's answering out to somebody who's saying, you better get these now or they're going to be gone. Yeah, so I don't She's know. Saying, because no, they're going to keep publishing them. People are saying, I like, I feel like there's some weird information because somebody was told that they're, I think it was B. Dave Walters, but yeah. So maybe I'm wrong, but boy, Neverland and Oz, they're really cool. I would recommend them. Well, never wait because anything could happen. And if you there's a good game out there and you want to get it <laughs> and yeah. you have the means to get it and get it. Don't wait. And boy, if you're on Amazon, <laughs> these books are 20 bucks. It looks like there's 10 oh. used for 1250. Uh, and they're stitch bound. They're really good. It's not like it's a, a low quality product. So, uh, mm. no PDF with it though. I don't think I have a yeah, PDF. Yeah. I need of PDFs Oz, with my games. I really, I really hope like that becomes PDFs, the trend yeah. of, I buy the hard book, but give me the PDF too. Cause I kind of need both, but I get it. I understand the whole problems, but yeah i wish they'd overcome it um keys from the golden vault i do you know more about this than i do you want to talk about it well no no but it's like you know what it feels like to me is like uh the candle keep book that came out like i was lukewarm on candle keep and then even as i heard more of it i was like okay it's not really a book that i'm really want and i always felt this one was kind of the same i like the idea of heists but I never thought I needed a heist book from Wizards of the Coast to help me build a heist because even if I did it, I might run a heist adventure, but I would never run like five or six or seven or like a string of heist books if that's how they're going to do it. Yeah. So this one was not even really on my radar. Um, and, you know, so I haven't really kept up too much on it, but, you know, they're trying to push it and it's the next book that's out. It'd be the first book of 2023. Um, I like what you had said is, you know, it probably makes sense. It's a tie into the movie a little bit. Um, you know, it is kind of movie. I think, I think the idea is that people will go see the movie, um, which comes out March or April. Uh, and then a lot of competition though. I was looking like the, the super Mario brothers movie comes out around the same time. And I was like, okay, (laughs) Uh, we'll see like a lot of a lot of whether movies do good or bad is like do you remember what, the what are you up against super mario brothers movie i do i was i was in theaters <laughs> nine-year-old jordan very excited to go oh, see that movie so sad. it was really bad uh but yoshi was <laughs> in it we were excited to see yoshi um 
So Keys from the Golden Vault is uh, their their new book. It's an anthology book. So it's 13 adventures. They're all centered around a heist. Um, and yeah, how they're tying it in is when the writers for the movie, the writer-directors, came to Wizards, they were like, hey, we kind of have this idea, but we need we need these aspects of the Forgotten Realms to pan out so that we can have the movie we kind of have in mind. And one of them was, we need a prison. And a lot of the Forgotten Realms scholars at Wizards were just like, I don't, do we have like a prison? Like, I don't think we do. <laughs> like, it's not a, there's not a central government to really have like a prison. So they invented Revel's End, which is this like tower prison in uh, the the north northern Sword Coast, um, surrounded by ice and things like that. And it's a it's a cool piece of like you know topography that they put in uh, this this prison out in the middle of nowhere. But Revel's End was created for the movie, and then it made an appearance in the Icewind Dale book, and it's making an appearance in this book where you have to free somebody from Revel's End um, for uh, keys from the Golden Vault. So that's the movie tie-in. I don't know if it'll go beyond that. Just like there's a prison. Uh, we'll see. Um, it's kind of funny that it's one of these, like I like it when they use existing stuff or they expand on existing stuff. And this was straight up like, yeah, let's just put a prison here. Kathunk. And it's like, okay. Um, a good example of what they did where they expanded upon stuff is El, T El Tour in uh, Forgotten Realms always had this giant ball of light in the sky above it. And then it wasn't until uh, Descent into Avernus that we learned that that giant ball of light was actually like a prison holding captive something for a long time. And so uh, when they take something and they expand upon the lore and use it in a, a unique creative way, I find that more interesting than this, where it's like, we needed a prison. So we made a prison. Here you go. Uh, maybe that's just a Jordan rant, but <laughs> we'll see. But I am excited a new trailer came out for that movie and Zastam is in it and he's uh the evil lich uh emperor of Thay. He's not an emperor, he's a uh Tharch, I think, but he's he leads the red wizards of Thay and is in control of Thay, the necromancer Zastam uh who is probably a lich now. He is a lich, I think. And it'll be interesting to see that. I got to make a Zastam video is what I'm hearing. So, oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get up, get up there. You could do um, like a movie, a movie video too. Something after you watch the movie, come home and make a, a video. I want on to reaction yeah. or. <laughs> I don't. I don't necessarily want to do a reaction, but I like the idea of like. Uh, there's a channel out there called New Rock Stars that does trailer breakdowns and stuff, and they've been doing trailer mm -hmm. breakdowns for the D and D movie, and it's just funny to be like, do you? Like their their information is very limited, where they do some Google searches and they come up with stuff, but. Uh, um, it's it's it'll be interesting to see because I mean how I've been eat, living and eating the Forgotten Realms for how long now, and to be able to go and watch a movie and be like oh oh that's Castle this or that's oh this is so cool like it'll yeah. be kind of neat so you could nerd out on it for sure yeah <laughs> for a <laughs> long time good. Yep. so we'll see awesome. um, I think it'll be really cool um that's what what other news do we have. Well, it, I think it was funny. I kind of put it a tiny bit in the notes is that it seemed like it wasn't so much news as everybody just kind of sharing all the different companies sharing how and what they're creating new. It's like all their new books that are coming out, all the new yeah. books they're building, all the new um, 
community programs that you can be a part of if you want to make your own stuff. That's been like the big push over the end of January and moving into February. I think it's just this explosion. We're just going to keep seeing all of these. Here's our like OGL style license you can use to create your game in our world or our system. I think we're going to continue to see and a lot more. It seems like new books and new systems. We're, we're at the we're at the start of that explosion. I think of hey, we're going to get new books for different systems than just five E compatible books, right? Which I think is uh, that's awesome. I love the idea that we're going to get um, that kind of stuff. And I just think here's the beginning of it. Like you can market. February is the month where you start to see it. We might even start seeing Kickstarters come out. That's no longer just five E compatible Kickstarter. It's going to be like this is a Cypher system yeah. compatible or built for this your favorite system. Savage you know? World. Yeah. Or, yeah, this is uh, agnostic system agnostics. Well, so I have a question for you. Do you like uh, system neutral adventures or settings where it's like, here's the basis, but I'm not going to give you any of the um, like monster stats. You have to kind of come up with that alone. It's a little more work, but do you like stuff like that? Or do you want this? Yeah, I judge all of those kinds of things, not on what system it's in, but how it grabs me with the hook. Like that first sentence they say, like, you know, like, like you said, you know, welcome to the Chrome and Rust City. You know, what, what is your hook? What is your artwork draw my eye to? And then what's the, what's the thing that you're like wild sea, you know, that, that, that grabbed me. I didn't care what system it was in. I'm in like, I don't, I'll learn the system or I'll adapt it to whatever my game I'm playing and what my party is doing. So I don't ever think I, I just think about what's the cool idea behind it. And that's how you get my money. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm torn because uh, for a long time, I said that I love system neutral stuff because I'll, I'll find an equivalent or I'll make a monster um, mm-hmm. but I realized a lot of that was I, uh, a, I have access to a lot of monster books for fifth edition D and D. And I was always translating something to fifth edition D and D. And it was always like a fantasy esque to a fantasy game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. hot Springs Island is a good point, but even with hot Springs Island, I ran into some problems and then I was on Reddit and I found that, uh, somebody had made fifth edition stats for all of the monsters in Hot Springs Island. And I was like, thank you. That's what I needed. And it was at that point that I realized, I'm like, I love system neutral, but it's a lot more work when they don't but give you help. the monsters, <laughs> yeah, you know? And 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 really it comes down to monsters because uh, yeah. if you're a playable class, I can look in the class book, the player's handbook, and I know what you can do. But when it comes to the custom spells and magic items and stuff, it is nice to have like, oh, this is part of the system that you're in and if you're buying an adventure that's probably something that you want as opposed to coming up with my own adventure i don't know so it's it's interesting that we go in this route and you know there's a reason that uh, monty cook is making 5e tolis and cypher tolis and not just tolis figure it out for yourself version so Mm -hmm. I wonder how much extra work this is going to put on uh, RPG writers and things like that. Like, Yeah, I did the same thing. When I did the um, Seeking Revenor campaign, and I thought, well, I'm going to save myself time by grabbing some adventures from AD&D, and I'll just move them over, and I'll just do the conversion of some of the things that need to convert. And really, I ended up spending as much time doing the convert part as I would have if I had just built the the adventure part or that part of the world myself. 
And so I didn't save myself time. It was like, I thought I was going to save myself yeah. time, but the minute I did, Oh wait, I've got to convert. Like you said, all the creatures, figure out what they are, what, what's equivalent, what's going to be the treasures in there that are equivalent. What's the gold value that's going to be equivalent if it matches. Cause AD and D was, could be different than what my world was going to be a little bit. So sometimes you think that you can start with something else and it's going to save you time, but you spend more time fixing that thing to work than if you had just created oh, yeah. it wholesale. Square peg in a round So I think it's problem, a hard, I think. yeah. And then other times it probably isn't that way. Sometimes you probably do save yourself. Sometimes I think for you, like your rod of seven parts was an old adventure that you brought into 5e. So how much did you have to do there yeah. versus Hot Springs Island and you brought it into fifth edition rules? Yeah. You know, there's, you know, sometimes it might save you time, but don't think it's always going to save you time. Sometimes it can cause you more work than you thought. <laughs> Be exactly. ready for that and, trap. And, I fell into uh, it. That's a great example because Rod of Seven Parts or even the Great Mode Run March that I'm running now, uh, I'm really using it as a skeleton. And because they're essentially both D&D, like, yes, monsters mm -hmm. that are in second edition that don't appear in fifth edition are a little difficult. But at the same time, I kind of just... I, I, you know, control F and I find a monster that I'm like, oh, this will fit. And I can call it that other monster and we'll just play with that. And that's really good. And that's, uh, I would say that it's a lot easier. Also, my familiarity with Planescape and things like that make it a lot easier to run. Um, but like I said, with Hot Springs Island, when I first started that, I was like, okay, it's a monster. Well, what is it? What, how hard should this be? Giant how many, fire salamander. how many hit points <laughs> should it have? Like, I don't even know, no. you know, and it really has opened my eyes about system neutral stuff where I kind of, a lot of OSR stuff. I'll look at monsters. I'm always going back to monsters, but I'll look at monsters and I'll see, oh, you have eight D six, uh, hit die. I know that you're a little tougher than a 2d6 monster um but with hot springs island i never knew how difficult a monster was supposed to be and it was kind of interesting like that where i'm like uh and when i got the actual or not the actual stats but the stats somebody statted out a lot of those were like are salamanders supposed to be this easy like i'm not i'm surprised i thought mm -hmm. that they were more difficult in my mind so I don't know. It's interesting. And that's like having a donut, like two different types of donuts and you're bringing them together. But if you were to try to do that, like I'm going to bring it into cipher system. Exactly. You're trying to take a donut and make it into a pie or it's like a totally different food almost like that difference is even bigger than, you know, sort of D and D early period D and D into late period D and D that almost works, but there's work to make it happen. Yeah. Well, like go what if I was trying to go do into savage worlds or yeah. going to, you know, whatever. What if I was trying to run rod of seven parts using the cypher system? I have no, idea. I mean, granted I'm not super familiar with cypher, but that feels yeah. like not something I would want to do yet. Tolis <laughs> is there and I'm sure I could like borrow a lot of that. Yeah, so could. boy, I don't know. Uh, I, I was really excited for system neutral stuff back in the day, but the more that I'm thinking about it, I I think the reason I'm paying money is so that somebody does the hard work for me when I'm buying an adventure. Yes. And yeah. I can buy I can buy a book and read it and be inspired and use a lot of those things just like I'm reading something else and being like, Oh, that's kinda cool. Yeah. But I still love Hot Springs Island, don't get me tools. wrong. I need but, usable tools in yeah. your book. And Hot Springs Island does give usable tools, but I think uh, the the best tool you can have is here are monster stat blocks because I can make up DCs all day. How hard is it to climb that mountain? I don't know. Let's 
roll of roll of you know athletic like scale, check. like <laughs> one one block. Like, oh, if you're going to use this for five e, here's an example of one creature, and then here's what it would look like. So now you can take that as your scale for everything else. You're like, oh, you're going to do this in Cipher system. Here's your one creature comparison, and now you can scale everything else based yeah. on that because you got one good example of how a, how it should work. You know, and you're like, oh, okay. I just want monsters to have if if I do a system neutral in the future. How tough I, are they? I want monsters to be like on a scale of one to ten, and it's like one. Yeah. It's like this is really easy. It blows over. Uh, ten. It's like super difficult. And then it will kill your party based on you know you're like oh what a cute little bunny oh my gosh that's a seven bunny like ah you know and it's like okay it doesn't look intimidating but it can when it starts when it, you start fighting yeah. it. Um, yeah, I think that would help me, but uh, a lot of system neutral stuff I've seen doesn't necessarily have that. So I don't know. The OSR movement is kind of interesting. We were talking, I was listening to a podcast. I actually put a question into this podcast and they read it and they were talking about it where we're getting so many OSR systems and things like that, uh, that they're not truly compatible with each other. And we're kind of getting this weird like OSR where everybody's doing something slightly different and claiming oh, innovation. And I'm wondering if we're going to get that later on where it's like, oh, so. Um, yeah, uh, WWE is not punk rock. Asked, how was it converting to Hot Springs to DCC? I would say a lot easier because DCC stat blocks are more simplified. Um, I had already run the adventure, but I also went online and Googled and I found somebody had converted every monster to Dungeon Crawl Classics. And so I took that document and I was able to run the game. There you go. So thank you person (laughs) on on internet who did that for you. And (laughs) it's just, but that's, that's the people who love these systems, you know, they're like, Oh yeah. yeah." Um, But you're right. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, it's interesting. That was my tweet I put out uh, this week. Uh, Monty Cook, they had said, hey, we want to do a poll. What's your favorite VTT that you're using out there, virtual tabletop? And uh-huh. I was like, uh, Roll20 is my favorite. And my dream job is to create Roll20 accessories and character sheets and rule sets and compendiums in Roll20 for all of the Monty Cook catalog like oh, every yeah. game you guys put out my i want it to be my job that i create the stuff so people can play it on roll 20 that's all i want and they, i got a like from money cook I'm like, hey. yes please <laughs> yes that's cool i want that job we were talking about it uh after our show last week we were talking about creating character sheets and how hard is it and i went through it and it was pretty tough and i was just like but man when you have that as an aid to your brand new players and your DM who could just go in and say, here's my compendium. Let me grab these monsters. Let me put a token on there. It already has those stats. It has the magic item. It has the rules. If somebody needs to look something up, it has the character sheet that does the math for you for, yes, you can select that at first level or second level or third level or, you know, whatever. That is such a game changer for getting more people into the hobby is like, I want, I want that to be my job. Like that, my, my legacy is I could look back and say, I created the whole catalog of Monty Cook's games in roll 20. That'd be awesome. Roll 20, hire me. I'd love to do that. Show me how to do it too. Cause I don't actually know how to do any of it. They probably want to hire somebody who already understands that. cascading style they, sheets. That's the but... problem that I never get. I don't know how to do it. So I can't ever be the one that does it, but I want to That'd do it. Cool. Like, doesn't that mean anything that I want to do it? <laughs> I mean, it does. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Uh, I, I'm really curious to the future of Kickstarter adventures. 
And if it is like, oh my gosh, yeah. this adventure is so good, we're going to release it for all of these different systems because it, in a way, it was nice to know that this was the most popular system so you could just gear towards that. Unless you were like a third party and you're like, I want to make this adventure for this system. But mm -hmm. uh, even um, we at the my time Oz too? and Never Neverland Book are 5e, and I feel like I could easily adapt them to an OSR but I don't think I can adapt him to Cypher, like at all. <laughs> so yeah, that's different. OSR is like D and D, so that's yeah, there's a reason that it works. Makes sense. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if we're at that time now where it's no longer hard. Like when you find a new player who wants to understand or play role playing games, right now every person I bumped into like that, D and D is the game they want to play because that's the one they've heard of. Yeah. That's the one that they're in, you know, that they're slightly interested. They don't know if they're going to like it or not, but Hey, it'd be cool if I could find somebody that could run me through it. So I can see if I really like it or not. I wonder if this is the turning point where it's not D and D is the game that everybody wants to play. It could just be a whole rand. Like the person could come up to you. And, oh, you play role-playing games and you'll run a game. Could you run this system for me that I've heard of? And you're like, Oh, you like that system? Sure. Let me tell you all about this system. Or I, you're just I like, like I've never even heard of your weird Argentina <laughs> RPG. Yeah. Kids <laughs> on bikes. That's what you want to play. Yes. So <laughs> How do we do that? Let's do it. So I wonder if we're getting closer to like, the stranglehold of everybody wants to play Dungeons and Dragons. Like every Twitch show live stream is a Dungeons and Dragons show. Can we finally get to it's Pathfinder games and it's Cypher games and it's, you know, uh, free league games and it's Modifius games and it's Savage World games and it's, you know, all these other systems or whatever. I think uh, the, I, one of the crazy. defining moments will be this book release, uh, Keys of the Golden Vault. If it oh, does, I think it's tank. It, I think it's going to tank too, but if it does not oh. do well, I think we're going to see a lot more people uh, playing because 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 this is a new book and it's uh, not solo adventures, but it's like uh, shorter adventures. This yeah, is not prime centric. Well, this is prime for streamers where it's like, OK, guys, we're going to do like four episodes. We're going to play through this. It's going to be awesome. We'll people will watch it because everyone's Googling keys of the golden vault. But I don't know anyone who's even buying this book. Um and they're out there. Don't get me wrong. There are people who are going to buy it, I'm sure. But it's it's uh, this is an interesting time. Yeah. So I think the boycott is still real at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this one tanks hard. But it's a DM book. It's an anthology book. I don't think those were the books that ever did Anthology really books well. never did very well, yeah. They're always the ones that are at the lower. And this one's even going to be lower than that, I think. This is going to be a, a... And that's, you know, for all the writers and artists that work on that book, hey, sorry that, that it's the timing and what happened and what's going on in the community and that stuff. Because I know you guys work hard on stuff and your creativity, but this, I just think this one's going to tank. Yeah, it could be the best product ever, and but people aren't going to see it for the right or, right or wrong reasons. Who knows? But people won't see it. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if it is really good, I think it'll stand the test of time. And, we'll, and do we we'll know what the next book is already? Because they announced all their books but I didn't know if they told us what the next one is. I think it's the... I have to go back through our notes. Well, I think it's the... Because um, we get the Fandelver one. book. I think it's the Fandelver expansion book. Oh. That, like, expands that starter Fandelver. set thing into kind of a full... Not the uh, Planescape book. Planescape is the end of the year. Yeah. Okay. That's December. They might or early 2024. Around, we'll see. So. They want to get some uh, 
some excitement back. They might want to switch that around a little. <laughs> I get that. My brain. Back out. Yeah, who knows? I don't know. Um. Well, I'm going to talk about games. I guess uh, I did not run. Uh, don't let me force you. If you don't want to talk about games, Jordan, I want to. I want to. <laughs> I think this is funny that you wrote the word "gif" in our notes, and it wants to auto-translate it to "goth," and that just cracks me up <laughs> for some reason. One so, day Google will know yeah. what GIF is. So we did not have a uh, Dutch Crawl Classics because one of my players, it was his birthday, so we all went to his birthday instead, which was really fun. And I found out that in my town, there are uh, adult go-kart, like, you can go like 45 miles an hour in these go-karts. And it's like NASCAR racing. And that's what he wanted to do for his birthday. So we dressed up like Mario okay. characters. I had a Yoshi head and we raced. And it Life-size was Mario Kart. So okay. fun. It was really fun. So that's what I did instead of play games. But I have been writing on my uh, D12 fantasy RPG that I've been working on. And I've been pseudo calling it Tolve because I wanted a fun name for it. I made a logo. Um, and if you subscribe to my Patreon, I put up the rules there. Uh, but I was working on... Uh, backgrounds and skills and like what kind of background how do I want backgrounds to fit into this game um, and it's been a lot of fun and I and I made a fun logo I feel so I've been working on that for a little bit and uh, still have not play tested it outside of just Jordan you know throwing numbers at a sack of hit points but uh, it's kind of it's been fun it's been a fun little project I like it a lot um, and then I ran Great Motor on March. I have something that ties into that, but keep going. Oh, okay. Well, uh, and then no, no, Great Motor going. on March is going on, and uh, our players went to the gate town to Gehenna, which is called Torch. And uh, this was something I wanted to bring up, is that D&D Beyond crashed during our live stream. Nobody could log on and get to their character sheets. And so while we're playing, in the middle of combat, my players were making oh, yeah. up numbers. They're like, I think I have a plus 10 to that role. I'm not sure. And I was like, this is so frustrating. And we talked about it where we're like, I don't know. Like, how do this is weird? Like, this is a weird situation we're in where nothing is stored locally. So when it's down, it's just gone and we don't have it anymore. So then when it came back up, which was, I want to say like 30 or 40 minutes later, everyone like frantically downloaded a PDF of their character sheet because you can do that in D&D Beyond. But, uh, Food for thought, I guess, is that it was it was really interesting that we were like, wow, we are really tied to this when we shouldn't be. Like, I should have it my character. In so, oh yeah, we played Thursday. Oh, you played Thursday night we too. Yeah, yeah. So we play in roll twenty. Now I have my character sheet using the roll twenty character sheet, and I have everything in it. I've done all the macros, all the stuff. I've right. added in any ability that wasn't in the base. Cause you'll, all you get is SRD stuff yeah. in their character sheet. So I add in all my abilities for my multi-classing character, but our other people lo- have loved D and D beyond so much that they have been rolling their stuff in D and D beyond. And there's a plugin that lets you click on stuff in D and D beyond. And then it pushes it to roll 20 so they can use it. Just like you said, mm-hmm. for anybody that doesn't understand that. And then mid game, their character sheets are gone. They can get to the compendium rules. Yeah, yeah. They can get to whatever, but Curse is down, D&D Beyond is down, and then there was something else that was down that didn't seem to be quite related, but that part of the website is just down and inaccessible. So they were like, hey, can you make a, you know, a deck saving throw? And he's, do you remember what's your deck saving? And he's like, ah, I don't know. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, I don't know. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Like, it, yeah. was, it, was a, it was eye-opening to be like, wow. 
we the should not be this tied to this but we are and this is kind of what they want and that's the trouble yeah that's the trouble that you have with a service like that and i'll be honest like i don't have a backup i didn't i wouldn't even think about it like if i was playing like yeah so i i don't know but it really made me happy that i was playing with uh pen and paper at the table for like dungeon crawl classics and stuff like and how i really like that i don't know there's something tactile about it and having your thing in front of you and and phones away and stuff like that and people just focusing not on a computer so yeah um that was but interesting yeah we, thursday night is yeah. when that happened yeah it was it was uh that was fun so i ran through that um our friend uh miles uh milestone 20 said that the next book is the bigby presents giants book so it's kind of like the Fizzbands dragon book but it's going to be about oh, giants player options so that's a good thing yeah. because player option books sell well so that sell better, could be good yeah um but what about you lucian played any games what's going on in the world yeah of yeah, yeah so yeah we have played dungeon of the mad mage which is our thursday night game running into what we just spoke about um we came across some get yankee which were cool but we're totally stumped because we're like hey dude we're not mind flayers what what's your big deal why are you attacking us we're like we're gonna have to put you down like we're the murder hobos of this place, so sorry you probably like, wanted to live every, we're like but... cleaners so we're like Ack Inc. has sent in a cleaning crew of this dungeon. We just wipe everything out is all we do. You know, so But we're getting pretty deep into the dungeon now. We're getting to those lower levels. Um, we think something really exciting has been hinted at we're about to find in this level. I think there's going to be some real excitement. Um, I, we spoil this anyways. We think there's a spell jammer tie-in tie of some sort on this level. So we're And we just ran into Gith, which was cool. Um, and we got to fight them, which were, they were pretty tough with their, um, their tech. I had four GIF jump my character using like a misty step to get to my character surrounding me, four guys on the, on the battle map, mm-hmm. lay into me. And I was like down to, I was at 140 hit points or a hundred and something hit points down to two hit points in one round. I'm like, whoa, two hit we points. Just got- we just got nailed like yeah so it was a pretty cool moment and even if you think of those visual moments when something that like that happens it's just a cool you know like oh my god this is so cool is my character gonna die and then my character pulls off you know like all kinds of stuff to try to get out of this and get away and the party does its thing to get over to help me and it was just fun i always like that's the best part of the dungeons and dragons piece when you just you go into it not realizing there's going to be that big of a swing all of a sudden and your your blood is pumping and you're like oh my god this is it this could be it the character could die right here if i don't do something if i don't figure out a way out of this this is gonna hurt yeah for <laughs> but, sure but uh, that was super fun and we're having a lot of fun in that so we're getting towards the end of it so there's also a lot of talk about what are we going to do next and one of the things was uh we uh we were able to throw a couple of these gifts through some what we think are portals to the astral space they weren't able to come back. And so the the running joke now for our party is when this campaign's over, we're going to make characters of those gith who got thrown through the astral space and we're going to play those guys. And we're like, God damn, that dwarf threw me through. <laughs> and we're going to play on from that. I was like, yeah, we'll play this. <laughs> so we'll play those characters and see where it goes. So that was the joke. Um, but what also what was going on this whole week, which was crazy, is... AJ, I blame AJ if he's in chat this this morning. Uh, he sent over to me and AJ said, hey, Pickett. I'm goofing around with Open D6. 
from West End Games, 1995 game. He says, do you want to take a look at it? Tell me what you think about it. Like, so I get this PDF, 1995 role-playing game, open, open D6. And I'm like, Jordan would love this because he's Heck Jordan's yeah. into the D6 game. So he's got it. Well, that's that's what I was D- reading, too. Yeah. And modeling yeah. my my modular D6 off of. Yeah. So I'm going through the whole thing. I'm, I'm giving him like all my feedback on it. It's like and it's like I wanted to have this talk. I know we only have so much minutes. So it's oh, you're like, fine. whatever you decide how many D6 you're going to assign to your stats and you have like six stats and then. They're like, so you could say, so I want to be a strong guy. I'm going to put four of my D6 in strength, but maybe I only put two of my D6 then in intelligence and so on and so on. Yeah, yeah. But then they say, but then there's the pip. Are you putting the pip in your in your D6 system that you've been thinking about? I so did, So that's yeah. a half die bonus. So you, you take a die and you cut it in half, kind of, and you say like, you know, you can either put a plus one somewhere a plus two somewhere you can have three plus ones and no it's no longer a die that you roll it's just a bonus that you get so that's the pip part of the system and then well a bonus on top of the die you roll right yeah on top of whatever your pool is yeah and then the wild die are you putting the wild die in jordan okay so the wild die you roll a one is basically like a critical fail of some sort or a complication die of some sort yeah. Or a six is a re-roll, a good thing, and you roll again and you added it, that number. Yeah, in. it's called exploding die. So if you roll a six exploding on the wild yeah. die, you roll that die again and you keep adding yeah. the numbers to get like a really high number. Um, yeah. But it also, there's rule optional rules in there to say uh, the six mm-hmm. could be like a critical hit. And, and then the player, you don't re-roll, but the player gets to say something cool. But on a one, the DM gets to do like a GM intrusion basically to use Monty Cook words, yeah. but yeah. That's what I was kind of equating it to. And then they still, on top of that piece, they still had a way to do character points, which was like a reroll mechanic of some sort mm-hmm. and almost like a fate point, which was another style of yeah. or adding a dice or doing something that you only get per session or whatever. So there was a lot of these mechanics in there. And I was look, looking at this and I was just, I sat back and I, I was like, this is what I typed into. I'm like, at what point does complicating your dice rolls give you what you want versus just make everything more complicated. <laughs> like, cause yeah. I was like, it, at some point you start adding up a lot of points and a lot of, and you're trying to explain the pip system and the die system. And, but it, it did kind of make character creation a little bit easier. And I was wondering, have you tried when you were doing your D six system, did you do it with the straight system and not the pip part assigned? Did you do some testing without the wild die part of sign? Because in my head, something must have happened during testing that just the D6 pool wasn't enough. So we needed something that the pip gave us, right? That adding those pluses or splitting a die gave us something that the designers of that open D6 said, this makes it a little bit better. And then they go, oh no, let's throw an exploding die on there. It'll be a different colored die than the other ones. And that added one more thing that they thought was, "This, this really puts the icing on the cake. Did you come to to any of that? Like in your testing, did you see anything that was wrong with not having, you know, not doing the pip and not doing the exploding die that just the D6s didn't, didn't get Yeah. It? So, uh, boy, it's, this is a big question, but. Uh, one minute in. You go, yeah. Go. <laughs> one minute. Go. Ah. Um, <laughs> so the West End Games originally created this D6 system for the Ghostbusters game they were contracted to make, the Ghostbusters role-playing game. And then later they adapted the same game for Star Wars and a bunch of other games until Mm -hmm. they came up with uh, 
open D6, which was let's strip all of the the um, rules and get rid of it and things like that. So when you talk about pips and you talk about the exploding die and the wild die and all that other stuff, um, a lot of that is like, well, the exploding die was part of, uh, I don't know, like this sci-fi setting. But um, it was called the Force Die in Star Wars, and it operated slightly different. So that's why when you're reading this, you're actually getting all of those rules from, like, different systems that when you compile it onto each other, it's like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. The, the main problem I had when I was playing the original OpenD6 system is as you level up, you get to the point where you're rolling, like, 15 d 6 to see if you can hit. And I just think that was too much to add together, Um, which I didn't realize this until I talked to some friends, but uh, games like um, Tales from the Loop, a lot of the Free League games, Mm -hmm. they they use the same concept as Open D6, but they changed the uh, result of just count the number of sixes you get rather than adding it all up to be like, okay, I attack for a 45. Instead, you just add up the sixes and you say, okay, I got four sixes, success fails, four yeah. success fails. And the other person is like, oh, I got three success fails. Uh, you win. And you're like, oh, cool. I did damage yeah. to you. So they took that system and actually did a really good job with it of making it more, uh, making it faster. Because I kid you not, in the Open D6 rules by West End Games, there comes a point where they said, hey, uh, if you feel like you're rolling too many dice, take the average and just roll the wild die. And I'm like, well, that's dumb. So it's like, let's roll the wild die. Yeah. And I have a plus 45 to this. Like that just seems dumb to me. Yeah. But And I've the... read an article on the pool games, like because another game that had a lot of pool stuff in it was cyberpunk. And those type of games had big pools of D6s that you'd roll or even war top table games. Big D6s, lots of big things you roll. But there comes a point, I think it's like when you grab 10 or 12 of them, once you're past that, you're basically getting the average number if you're just adding the number up. Like yeah. the average number just, the law of averages happens. So that's why when um, they were looking at doing Powered by the Apocalypse, it switched to 2D6 plus stat because they were controlling the variability that you were going to get yeah. versus the dice pool average coming into play later on as your pool grew and grew and grew because your average just almost became locked into a certain area and you were never going to typically roll outside of that whereas the d20 was super swingy which was you know it was like that that thing is super swingy compared to everything else so i just thought it was a it made me think of you as i'm reading through this and giving my notes and feedback to uh aj AJ. because he's looking at it for his superhero system he's building and it would and they have a one page in there in the west end book about how you could do it with superheroes Mm -hmm. but you know it wasn't a ton to it and i was just thinking through the whole process and i was like i'm sure jordan was into this too i'll have to talk to him about the dice mechanics and the philosophy behind it and pips make sense as you're leveling so when i when i was working on this kind of a lot i took all of the I wanted to make sure that you didn't have more than six dice that you were ever rolling. So in my mind, I'm like, you could have a max of four dice in a stat, one die from a magic weapon and one die from like a background or like a spell bonus or something. So the idea was you were never rolling more than six dice in a particular Mm -hmm. skill or stat. Um, And so for me, the pips became very important because when you would level, you might get plus one. And then if you can get plus two, but if you ever get plus three, it merges into a new die. So 
that way I could have you level and get incremental bonuses, but not be like, I've got 17 D6 in my strength. Like that was just too much. Yeah. I will say the cool thing I didn't think about though is let's say you have eight D6 in your attack. The core rules suggest that if you want to take multiple actions, you subtract a D6. So I could take one action with eight D6 kind of, really hinting that I could hit for sure, or I could take two actions at 76 or three actions at 66 or four actions at 5d6. Mm-hmm. And so you, the player get to kind of weigh back and forth. Like I do want to take, you have to decide before you attack, but you're like, I do want to take five actions this round. And maybe an action is I'm going to subtract a d6 so that I can run over there. Okay, well, now you are oh, you have 5d6, you know, but you can take four actions. And so I'm going to do this and this. So there are some cool aspects to it where you purposely lower your die pool in order to just do more do more attacks or do more things on have a round. chance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, and, so. and then it, then I got into the conversation because I'm in Discord talking to him a little bit about it. And I was just like, the idea that choosing the d6, right? And at that time, it's 1995, I'm looking at that, and it dawns on me that the D6 is that dice you choose because it starts with roll top tabletop games and they were using six sided dice to play war games, old war games. So the D6 has been quintessential through all of board gaming. And then you have D6s in many board games. And in the eighties and nineties, I remember my parents and stuff, the only type of dice game they liked to play were things like Yahtzee. And there were these D6 style games that got put out that they liked to play. So then that was a familiar dice. So if you're making a system that's going to be widely appealing, but then you say, hey, if you want to play this new person that you've never really seen this before, you need to have a 20-sided die. Yeah. D&D goes out on a limb and says, you have to have a 20, an 8, a 12, a 4, and then a 10, or at least two 10s. Well, right? and a six. it's before mass production, too. Like, I mean, yeah, I've got dice right production. here, yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. not a lot of people had access to these, but everybody right. had access to D6s. You know, yeah, yeah. So, so what's driving that? And I'm thinking that's one piece that's driving is like, hey, you could go ra- and it says in Open D6, go raid your Yahtzee game yeah. or go raid your Monopoly game and grab your D6s or you know whatever, and that way you have the dice you need. But I'm thinking we live in the world now with 3D printing and Kickstarter dice programs, and we could make any shape, any design, any number of yet side it's still dice a little difficult to get will DCC that dice. Change? <laughs> yeah, will that change? the landscape of the tabletop rolling playing game because now dice could be so accessible and people know what they are. It's like a 20 sider is not something my wife would pick up and not necessarily know about, but 10 years ago, that could have been, you know, 15 years ago, it could be. So I just, I feel like we're in this time that's so different than what has come before with what accessibility we have now with digital 3d printing easily accessible. It's, it's mainstream. It's, your kids grow up knowing what dice are because it's in cartoons and things and referenced and stuff that they do. And, you know, when they're watching all their stuff, they, they hear about role-playing and these things. So it's all part of it. So now what do we get from that group of people moving forward that build new games and new stuff? And yeah, I just, it was fascinating going through it. And it all was generated by sitting here reading an old 1995 book that had a, a hand-drawn picture of David Duchovny in one of the yeah. pictures. I was laughing. <laughs> Open D6 system. And it was so 95, right? It was just oh, like yeah. quintessential 90s role-playing game. It was fun. Oh, I could talk about it all day because it's such a... I, yeah, so I, I love that system. And I was adapting it for so long. Uh, but yeah. 
Uh, and that's cool. One though. chat really says cool. D forty two is definitely the answer. So we should oh, have whatever sure. system we build a D forty two for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's cool. Good old AJ. Um, yeah. I think that's our show. If we're good. Yeah, I mean, I could keep going, like you said, but we probably shouldn't. <laughs> That's our show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you for uh, liking, subscribing, and telling your friends about this show um, and being a patron and all that and helping us out. Uh, we will be back next week with... Actually, I will be out next week. He'll be out event. next week. So Jordan, Jordan will figure out maybe? something or maybe we'll take a week off. Uh, uh, six one. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I know what Lex is doing. Lex can come on, I'm sure. Yeah, he'll probably come on. He's cool. I don't know. I'll get Ted. We'll just talk about D and D or Wizards of the Coast and all that stuff. That'll be funny. Um, but yeah, thanks guys for watching. We'll see you next week on another episode of the Saturday RPG Show. Bye.